What are some potential landing spots for Buccaneers linebacker Devin White, assuming he is traded after his request? We talk about that. Also get into the Atlanta Falcons, continuing their busy offseason, stacking their defense, and also looking at the draft, doing a little preview of that and how the first round could look. All coming up next day on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostreicher, one of the many NFL experts here on our network. We are free and available all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe for free, both in audio form and in video form. We're a five-day NFL content podcast. So NFL updates, NFL news, NFL analysis. We have it here for you Monday through Friday. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you ever do into becoming an NFL general manager and managing your football franchise, this game is definitely for you to download the game. This is at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise. Use the promo code Locked On in all caps in the game. And we're back. It is another Monday. We are creeping up slowly on the NFL draft. It is almost two weeks away now, almost one week. We're less than two weeks now from it, which is kind of crazy to think of. It's, 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 it's kind of crept up fast in all honesty. So we'll talk in the third segment. I'll take you through a draft preview of sorts, talking about how the top of the draft could look team needs the quarterbacks where they could go and what the rest of that first round could look like too. But in the first time, we're going to be talking with James Yarko of locked on Buccaneers about Devin white and his trade request. If that was shocking potential landing spots for him. And then in the second segment, we'll talk with Aaron Freeman of locked on Falcons. We talked there and, a couple weeks ago about the Falcons and that defense, but Falcons continuing to add to that defense. They trade for Jeff Okuda. They also add Bud Dupree. So we'll talk about that in the second segment, then our draft preview in the final one. So without any further ado, let's now dive into our first segment with James Jericho of Locked on Bucks. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers maybe got blindsided over the course of the week with a Devin White trade request. And here to talk about that with me, James Yarko, one of the hosts over at Locked on Buccaneers. And James, Devin White, obviously one of the bright young defenders in this league, especially in his position, now requests out of Tampa. There have been, you know, the reports of what he wants contractually coming up annual about 18 to 20 per year, if I'm not mistaken there. So, I mean, how surprised were you when this news dropped that Devin White actually requested out? I guess I wasn't all that surprised. If you rewind the clock about a month or so ago, he had put out an Instagram post where he had put up some photos of his time in Tampa. One of those photos happened to have the peace out um, emoji overlaid on the top of it. So that ramped up a lot of speculation and he tried to spin it as he was reflecting on his first four years, but there were some, pretty obvious goodbye signs throughout the post. So that kind of simmered down and and was forgotten about. And then all of a sudden it comes out that he wants the trade. So I wasn't truly overly surprised. And at the same time, you take a look at the kind of money that he wants, the financial situation of the Buccaneers. He's entering the fifth year of his rookie deal, probably wants that extension. That's that job security right away. 
And if the Bucks aren't willing to do that, uh, that's probably where the speculation of him feeling disrespected comes from. Uh, but I would, this is honestly something that, that David Harrison and I've talked about numerous times on locked on bucks that the Buccaneers probably can't afford to keep Devin white and Antoine Winfield jr. So you were taking a look from a business standpoint of Jason lights as to which guy they were likely to keep. And Devin white may have made that decision for him. Yeah. And so do you think this is purely money related or do you think there is that kind of disrespect factor of the organization where he just says, well, I also want to go somewhere where the people who pay me also want me there and believe I'm worth that much. I think it's, it's disrespect on Devin's and, or, or from Devin's perspective, it is a, a disrespect thing, but the disrespect stems from him not getting probably the money that he wants out of an extension. He said at the combine back in 2019, that he wants to be the first hundred million dollar uh, inside or hundred million dollar linebacker in the NFL. Well, I mean, Roquan Smith already kind of beat him to the punch, but he was eyeing a hundred million dollars before he was even drafted to the NFL. So that's been kind of the number that he's been looking for. Can you afford to pay a guy like Devin White a hundred million dollars? Well, some teams can, sure, but Devin White is infuriatingly inconsistent. You take a look at the the playoff run in 2020 when the Bucks went on to beat the Kansas city chiefs in super bowl 55 and Devin white was playing out of his mind lights out football that entire run. Then you go to last season when, you know, he wins the defensive player of the month in September and then struggles and completely falls off the map for a couple of weeks. I mean, you know, as well as anyone, how poorly he played down the stretch against the Baltimore Ravens in a primetime game when the Ravens came back and won. He's just, he's so up and down. And, and for a guy to command that kind of money when he still four years into the league can't cover a wheel route is a little bit much. And and I feel like, you know, the timing of the deal, you know, before the draft, I think gives Tampa, it's, I'm glad it happened for Tampa, at least that timeline, because if it was after the draft, you might be pitching holding to something, but how likely do you think a move is James in the timeline of that? Do you think it could be maybe a draft day trade where they say, all right, we got an offer for a pick this year. We can use that on a guy on a rookie contract and Devin white goes to the other team. Right now. I put it at about 50, 50. I truly think uh, a deal before or during the draft is kind of a coin flip. If, if the Buccaneers find themselves in a position where they can move up in the draft or they can gain a day two pick in exchange for Devin white, something like that, it could get worked out. I think right now you're looking more towards them standing pat and, and Devin white being on this football team in 2023 and then leaving and the bucks would end up with a, a third round compensatory pick. If they can make a deal happen, maybe use Devin white as the extra piece to move from 50 back into the back end of the first round. If there's a guy falling that they really like, that's also a possibility, but you also have to take into account how many teams are going to pay big time draft capital for a guy in his fifth year option. Is he going to be a rental? Would he be in their long-term plans? Are they in a, a financial position to give him the $100 million that he's going to want? Or is he going to hit the market no matter what and, and get the biggest bag he possibly can? Yeah, and, and in terms of maybe what you would want for Tampa, James, like what, what's your most realistic but 
best hypothetical trade that you could get from because you mentioned the third round pick if you just let him go you get the third round pick anyway do you trade him for a third this year or do you get one more year of production I mean I think for me a second would be where I would start that conversation but but what say you I would I would start the conversation at a second as well absolutely you, you take a look at the Roquan Smith trade and, and it's not exactly apples to apples because that was an in-season trade there was a player involved there was uh you know chicago was going to continue to pay part of the salary there there were a lot of things that went into that if you can get a day two pick for him maybe a day two and a day three or a day two pick and a you know a, a fourth rounder in exchange for devin white and one of the buccaneers fifth rounders something to that effect i think you go ahead and pull the trigger and just move on and, and be done with it, not have to deal with the drama. You're not getting a first round pick for him. Unless again, it's, it's the Bucks second round pick plus Devin white for a, a late first in some sort of pick swap. So I definitely started day two. I hope for a second rounder, but I think more than likely, unless they're able to negotiate contract terms, which you can't do on, on draft day when you're on the clock anyway, but unless a team is able to speak with Devin White over the course of the next couple of weeks before the draft, work out a long-term extension to be able to, to give a little bit more compensation, I think at best you're looking at a third rounder. Right, it, it makes sense. And have you identified any any potential landing spots, any needs at an inside linebacker? You could say Tampa could make a deal here and get a solid pick from that team? Uh, taking a look uh, around the league, obviously the – kind of the the buzz team is the Philadelphia Eagles. Are they a Devin White away from winning the Super Bowl? You could make the argument that if they had Devin White in this past Super Bowl, he would have made a big difference. And, and maybe the Eagles don't let that lead slip away and, and end up losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. You take a look at a team like the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, and I realize they have a really good middle linebacker, but in a Levante David-esque move in, you know, almost in reverse, you know, Levante David was an outside linebacker in a 4-3 system. You could have uh, Devin White move to that will linebacker position for Dan Campbell in that Detroit defense, and I think he would perform really, really well there. And a wild card team to throw out there would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they would have the money to spend. Their defensive coordinator was Devin's linebackers coach in Tampa, so there's some familiarity there. He would fit well in the system in a division that really – as we sit right now is Jacksonville's to lose. So a couple of little options there, but it's really, is it a team that's going to be going in on Devin white for the long term, or is this going to be a one-year rental on a team that might have a defense that's a Devin away from contending for a Super Bowl? Major shout-out to James for hopping on here. And for more on James's work and, of course, the Buccaneers, be sure to subscribe and follow the Locked On Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up on our second segment, we'll be diving into the Atlanta Falcons with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons and talking about if they could be a sneaky top 10 or top 15 defense this year with all their additions. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into on Locked On. But first, this episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. And you've heard me talk about this mobile game app. And if you ever thought you'd make a good GM, you have to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying, trying to build a historic dynasty. And you can do that by making good or bad decisions. You, you have to make each decision with care because they can have a ton of consequences to your franchise. And it's really, it's a fun game. It's an immersive game. Even once you download, you don't even need Wi-Fi to play it. 
and you can play with your friends or your family. It's very inclusive as well. With Ultimate Football GM, you're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, navigating your franchise, the free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs as well of the season. All this in a challenging, realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on NFL listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise using the promo code Locked On all caps in the game store. That's Locked On all caps. Make sure to check it out today to download the game. So at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. We are back. Second segment here, Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostrich, your host, still here with you. And be sure to keep it Locked On NFL here for the rest of the week as we will continue having coverage on the biggest stories, biggest draft storylines, as well as that continues to creep up on us again less than two weeks away now but let's now get into our conversation with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons about a Falcons defense that was not good last year but has added pieces now and could maybe be a top 10 top 15 sneaky defense let's talk with Aaron now The Atlanta Falcons, they keep spending on that defensive side of the ball, bringing in two other pieces over the course of these past few days here to talk about that with me. And if the Falcons can maybe be a sneaky defense this year is Aaron Freeman, the host of Locked On Falcons. And Aaron, I know we talked about Calais Campbell a little bit, the, the defensive line additions when we talked last, but the Falcons just keep going out there. They add to their secondary with Jeff Okuda. They also add Bud Dupree. Let, let's start with the Okuda move first. Obviously, it shocked a few people, I think, that he was on the trade market after being the third overall pick just a couple of years ago. He gets moved to Atlanta for a fifth-round selection. How did you like the move when it went down, and were you shocked that the Falcons actually made the move? Yeah, I was a little surprised that the Falcons would make the move, given, you know, there's been a lot of talk, uh, including on Lockdown Falcons, that they may pull the trigger on a cornerback in round one. Uh, but I think Akuda gives them a, a nice insurance policy. And there had been talk all offseason long that the, the Lions were maybe iffy on giving him that fifth year option. Um, and so, therefore, if they weren't necessarily committed to him long term, it would make sense for the Lions to sort of move on, especially given some of the uh, roster moves that they've made this offseason to sort of shore up that secondary. And I think, you know, one team's trash in, in the Detroit Lions is another team's treasure in the Atlanta Falcons. I think Akuda has, uh, you know, a lot of untapped potential here, maybe not quite live up to the, the billing that he had when he came into the league uh, as, you know, the number three overall selection. But I think he can be a very good starter in this league based off of what he's shown in Detroit when he's been healthy. And I think that's kind of what the Falcons are looking for across from AJ Terrell. And if the draft board doesn't go the way they want and they can't get that high end corner early in the draft, then I think they can sort of pencil in Jeff Okuda as a possibility to be that long-term solution opposite AJ Terrell. Yeah, and they certainly don't have to be done if the draft board falls the way that they potentially wanted to. Some very high-end corners at the at beginning of that round one. But Aaron, even moving on to the other part of the defense, the edge rusher department, Bud Dupree comes in one year, five million. Obviously had a lot of success in Pittsburgh, opposite TJ Watt, went to Tennessee on that huge contract and really didn't do much of anything. So this, this feels like a prove-it deal for Bud Dupree. Did you like that move? Yeah, I think I like the move because the Falcons didn't spend the, the type of money that the Tennessee Titans spent to get D Bud Dupree. Uh, it's the difference of like $80 million versus $5 million, uh, and it's even up to $5 million. We haven't got the, the official word on exactly how much money in terms of guarantees that the Falcons are giving him on that one-year proof of deal. But it's just another piece to kind of raise the floor 
of the Falcons pass rush. You're not expecting Bud Dupree to put up monster sack numbers like he did in Pittsburgh uh, opposite guys like TJ Watt and, um, you know, Cameron Hayward and Stefan to it. And I think what we've known about Bud Dupree is he's, he's kind of a guy that's probably built to be maybe the fourth best pass rusher on your football team. Like he was in Pittsburgh. I think Tennessee thought he would be more than that, given how much they paid for him. Uh, and I don't think the Falcons are expecting Bud Dupree to be anything more than that. They have Grady Jarrett. They added Calais Campbell, brought in David Anyamata. They hope that Arnold Ebiketti, their second round pick a year ago, will make a big jump. And so, you know, Bud Dupree might be the fifth or sixth guy on this Falcons defensive line rotation. And that's a pretty good, you know, piece to have if you can say that he might not even be one of your top five defensive linemen, a player that has been as productive and as effective in this league as Bud Dupree has. And so I think this is a positive move for the Falcons to really shore up, uh, you know, what has been a weakness for a very long time in terms of their pass rush, even if Dupree is not going to be the sort of single handedly that monster of a pass rusher. Right. And I think, Aaron, that the defensive moves the Falcons have made has given them a lot of draft flexibility where they're not necessarily pigeonholed into any one position. They, they have their needs, some more needy than others. But the Falcons have this, you know, top 10 pick. There have been rumblings and rumors that, oh, maybe if, if C.J. Stroud is there, if Bryce Young is there, they could take him. But what what's your inkling? What's your feeling right now about what Atlanta could do with their first rounder this year? Well, I've been thinking all along that they will probably take the best defensive player on the board, probably a pass rusher, probably a corner, someone like Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech, if he's there, Christian Gonzalez of Oregon, if he's there, maybe Devin Witherspoon of uh, Illinois, Miles Murphy of Clemson, uh, maybe Jalen Carter of Georgia if he falls that far. But I think these moves kind of give the Falcons an opportunity that if you know the board doesn't fall a certain way and that defensive stud that they're looking for you know either up front or on the back end isn't there for them at eight you know they could have the flexibility to go offense in round one and then circle back to the defense on day two of the draft and that could be someone like texas running back Bijan robinson or northwestern offensive lineman peter skaronsky i don't really think the falcons are in the mix for a quarterback or a wide receiver i think a lot of people look at those areas of, of question marks but i think the falcons are pretty content with desmond ritter for the time being i think they do want to shore up that wide receiver position but i don't know if there's a clear-cut wide receiver that you would uh, be willing to bet on at eight in this particular draft class so i think they'll wait on that and and maybe shore up their running game we know this falcons offense is built on the running game so i think players like robinson or skaronsky will certainly uh add to that identity yeah and you know let's say the falcons get that defensive stud at eight you know if Jalen Carter or Witherspoon or Gonzalez or whoever you take into account all they've done already. Plus maybe adding a couple of young studs in the draft. Do you feel like if this Falcons defense, everybody knew they had to work on it this off season, they've done that. Do you think that they can maybe catapult from their very low ranking last year to maybe a top 15, top 10 unit this year? I think we're shooting probably for top 15, you know, top 10 may feel a little rich at, at this point in time. Uh, but I, I think, what has not been the case in Atlanta for many years is just competence. And, you know, if they're the 15th or 16th best defense, that's league average, that's a competent defense. And that has been something the Falcons really haven't fielded for a very long time. And I think it's going to be spearheaded by some of the moves that they've made up front to, to really get a pass rush where they've been one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL for, you know, the last two seasons. Uh, and, and certainly you can go further than that. We'll just say two seasons. Cause it, it sounds a lot worse when you say like the last six seasons, they've been the worst pass rush in the NFL. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, if they can get a couple more pieces in in on that defense, some young pieces that can they can build around because a, a lot of the pieces they've added are some of these older veterans that are not necessarily long term solutions. Yeah, I think you know they will have laid the foundation for what could 
you know, may not necessarily this year be a top 10 unit, but certainly as they continue to grow, could be a top 10 unit. And that would be music to the ears of Falcon fans everywhere because the Falcons have not been known for a very long time for being a defensive first type of football team. And I think that's hoping what Arthur Smith and new defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen from New Orleans Saints are trying to build to change the culture and the identity of this football team to be a lot more physical and, and a lot more formidable on that side of the ball. Big thanks to Aaron for hopping on here and for more on Aaron's work and the Falcons. Be sure to check out the Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But coming up in our final segment, we'll be talking about the draft. I'll be taking it through a mini draft preview of sorts, talking about the quarterbacks, talking about fits, how the first round could go, each draft class in terms of positionals, and much more. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into on Locked On NFL. We're right back, rounding out Locked On NFL here on a Monday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. And again, thank you so much for being here with us, making us your first listen of the day here on Locked On NFL, both in either video form or in audio form, or both. It's the same show, both audio and video, so you can listen on your way to work one day in audio form, then tune in on YouTube another day, and be sure it's free to subscribe both audio and video form five days a week here on Locked On NFL. But I'm going to take you through a mini draft preview now is, again, we are coming up on that draft very fast. And this is such an interesting draft class, to me at least, where I think that, you know, we can talk about the top talents in this draft. And and there there are a lot of them. Obviously, the quarterbacks are something we'll talk about in this segment here. But I think a lot of the bread and butter of this draft is going to come in the late first round to early to mid third round. I think that's where a lot of teams are going to get a lot of really solid prospects. There are, there are a lot of teams that I think could get really good guys and a lot of prospects that maybe you could say, all right, this guy could be an end of first round player, but gets taken in the middle of the second round, just because I think it's not a super top heavy draft. Like I think there are very talented players at the top. And some of those guys have, you know, potential concerns. I mean, a real concerns. I mean, Jalen Carter, somebody who really talented player, but who's going to take a risk on the off-field stuff that he's had? I don't know. He he could be a top three pick. He could also fall out of the first round completely. So he's someone I really want to monitor here. I know people, maybe Philadelphia is a team that takes him. You know, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean are two guys that the Eagles took last year, and they could maybe have him be a lot more stable in Philadelphia than he would be somewhere else. I don't know. Then you have other other wild card guys like where where is Tyree Wilson going to go? Where's where's a guy like Anthony Richardson going to go? And those quarterbacks. Carolina traded for the first overall pick. They gave up a lot to get it from Chicago. That pick, I would be, I would be floored if it's not a quarterback. Another one of those top talents, Will Anderson. He's someone that people are either very in on him or very out for some reason. I love Will Anderson. I think he's he's my pick to go at three to Arizona unless the team trades up for a quarterback. But back to Carolina, their team, I think CJ Stroud is the pick there. You you could make an argument for Bryce Young. I, I like Bryce Young a lot. The sleeper there is Anthony Richardson. I don't think Will Levis, those are like the top four quarterbacks. I don't think Will Levis is going to go at one to Carolina. But I think C.J. Stroud, to me, is is the guy that I would take a number one if I was Carolina. I like him a lot. I think Bryce Young at two to the Texans makes a lot of sense. But then there are the reports and the rumors coming out that maybe te- the Texans don't take a quarterback at all. And maybe that's Will Anderson or maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's a wild card like a Jalen Carter with the off-field stuff. I don't know who that is. But this, I think, is such a weird draft almost because usually there are maybe four or five or six prospects where you're like, okay, you know, we know this guy's going to go number one. And last year was kind of interesting too, because we didn't really know like Trayvon Walker for the Jaguars was a bit of a surprising pick where a lot of people were saying, who are they going to take? Who's it going to be? But there wasn't like that clear consensus guy. I think for a lot of people, CJ Shroud is that clear consensus quarterback, but 
A lot of people like the upside of Anthony Richardson. A lot of people like Bryce Young, despite the height concerns some people have about him. There are there are four first round quarterbacks in this class to me. This I'm not a huge Will Levis guy, but I think a team will take him probably in the late first round. Maybe a, a team in the mid first round will trade a pick to a team that's a little desperate and they'll move up for Will Levis. I don't know, but the quarterback run when it happens is very important, especially for those teams like the Falcons at eight or a team like the Eagles at ten, for example. If there's a run at quarterbacks, if all four of those quarterbacks get taken in the top six or top eight. That pushes the skill position players down. So maybe Philly can get a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson or some high-end prospect like a Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon in the quarterback cornerback room or something like that. But that's why it's so intriguing because just like last year, it didn't seem like any wideouts were going to go in the top. 10 and then slowly it's you know drake london and then garrett wilson and 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 chris alave and all these different wide receivers jameson williams right so many wideouts went in that top 15 and it kind of hindered the plans i think of a lot of teams the ravens being one of them who i think wanted to take a wide receiver at 14 because they had that agreement from marquise brown so wide receivers this year jackson smith and jigba to me is the top guy he could go to a team like tennessee at 11, you know, a team in the mid-teens could take him. You know, then you have kind of his floors. Like, I think Baltimore would take him. I think Minnesota would take him. There are some of those wide receiver needy teams. But then you have the other three. Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers are kind of the, the identified top four wideouts in this class. I think that once you get past Smith, past Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers all could go in the 20s or they could all go in the mid-teens. Their their floors and their ceilings, are, are they fluctuate to me a lot, but I don't know how that works. The cornerback class, the quarterback room to me is one of the deepest in this draft. I mean, I, I mentioned Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez. Then you have the players like Joey Porter Jr. and Cam Smith and Deontay Banks. And then you, you want to go a little further down. You have players like uh, a Clark Phillips, Emmanuel Forbes, for example, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, Tyreek Stevenson. There are so many corners in this class. And that's where I kind of say, well, late first to early third is the bread and butter of this class. That's really interesting. The offensive tackle class, I think, has a lot of good prospects. Peter Skaronsky is someone who could go. He's someone who could go to Tennessee at 11. Dewan Jones is someone who could be really good. Darnell Wright, right? They, they are a lot. Tight end wise, this, this is a deep tight end class. Like Darnell Washington, for example, Michael Mayer, like there are really solid players there too. Dalton Kincaid. So this is, it's a deep class, but I think because it's so deep a certain positions, it, again, it's not the top heavy class. I think we've seen in a couple years, but once you hit the mid to late first round, you're going to see a lot of prospects. Like when we get to the second round and the third round, you're going to say, well, why didn't that guy go around earlier? Why didn't that guy go two rounds earlier? So, you know, in terms of edge, they're really intriguing edge prospects. I mentioned Tyree Wilson, Nolan Smith, the combine standout. His ceiling and floor also fluctuates with me because he is so talented and has those athletic tools and athletic traits. So edge is interesting. Defensive line, I talked about Jalen Carter a little bit. Kalaja Kansi is someone that he, he is someone. Athletic, athletic tangibles, someone who I think could be a top 10 pick or he could fall into the 20s. So this is such a weird draft to me. Like by, by the time we're done with it, we're going to think, oh, well, that's not what the mock drafts are predicting. Like usually mock drafts are not very accurate anyway but they give some semblance of an idea. 
I I do not know how how accurate these are going to be in terms of like players like a Brian Branch who can play safety, but he's all he's like a defensive back guy. Maybe a team like Philadelphia takes a flyer on him because they lose Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Maybe he falls to the early twenties. I think he's a very talented player, but a team needs to find a role for him. So a lot of athletic guys in this draft, a lot of players that I think could be day one contributors. But again, my overall perception of it is it's not super top heavy. It's more you get to that mid to late first round and you start to see players who could become first round prospects. Second round, guys are going to be taken there. Could be first round prospects. Even in the third round could be, well, this guy didn't go in the first round. Why? This guy didn't go in the second round. Why? So I'm excited for this draft. It's going to be really interesting. I'm sure there are going to be trades, player trades, as we saw last year. I mentioned Marquise Brown there as one of them. So we'll see, but I'm excited for this one for sure. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let me get back here tomorrow. It's more NFL content from your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.